Good day and welcome to the Waystations Ministries podcast. I'm Greg Spencer with a light for your journey and a good word for the road. It's great to be traveling together and I thank you for coming with me. Let's ride together for a while. Well, this is a time to say thanks to Justin Capazzoli for being our sound and tech guy. Uh, for those of you who are watching and wondering what's happening, uh, the battery is going on our uh, my recording, and we take the uh, live Facebook live feed that you're getting here. But uh, I'm also recording it on a digital camera, and then I'll edit that down, and we'll put that up on YouTube, so you get a high-quality video and audio there, as well as on Facebook Live. But we do have to have this stuff running. <coughs> oh, well, <sighs> masks. When I was going out to Colorado last week, I uh, discovered just how intense the uh, protection steps are taken in the airports and on the airplanes. One of the things that they did is they said, everybody has to wear a mask. You can't go in the airport. You can't get on a plane if you're not wearing the mask. Okay, well, the, the, we all did that. We get on board the plane. You see everybody seated. Everybody's being polite. And it ran through my mind that some of the times what we've seen are some really dramatic fighting taking place on planes for persons who wanted to argue about the mask. And that just ran through my mind as a thought, you know, nothing more than that. The instructions were that you wear that mask all the time on the plane. You don't take it off. So when they serve you a beverage or, or a snack, then you can take the mask off and take a drink, but then you have to put the mask right back on to swallow or you have to put the mask back on to chew. They were that strict about it. And when we got to Colorado, we found that it was like that on all the buses, all the shuttles, in the hotels, everywhere. Everybody was paying real close attention to how you were observing the protections of COVID and trying to eliminate the, the passing of the disease. And uh, we got used to doing that. That was totally fine. But I, I was thinking about that. I've always said that the idea of wearing the mask is not about yourself and your personal freedom. It's about caring for others. It's a testimony and a witness that I care about you. And that was a very important theme that's been running through my ministry for the last two years. And uh, I saw that in action as we went to Colorado. Now, the place we chose to go to uh, was not... Well, what it was is it's been known as a typical Western town. It was called Steamboat Springs, <clears throat> and that's where the mountain was that we skied on. And uh, what I was impressed with, what I thought and imagined, what I'd read about, was exactly what occurred when we were there. Everybody was as hospitable and as friendly and as cheerful as they could possibly be. And I was really impressed by that. It was a wonderful thing. They made you feel at home right away. And they made it, it seemed natural. It didn't seem like it was artificial. Now, the argument could be made that all these people are making their living because of tourism, and that's probably true. But what I felt was a genuine, kind concern for you having a good time. And, I, and they went out of their way, at, both at the hotel and at the ski resort and all the helpers that are working there, uh, those who are running the shuttle services, everybody just went out of their way to make sure that you had a, a nice time. And I really appreciated that very much. I think that's what's missing in our world today. I don't think that the love isn't there. I just think that we're not noticing it and we're not practicing it. So it doesn't seem like it's there. So what I want to do is, is talk a little bit about the nature of love itself 
and particularly around God's love. Now, I know that there are persons who are watching that may have their doubts or, or uh, may not believe in God. That's okay. I don't have any problem with that. Um, but I do. And it's important that when we do a spiritual thing like this, that we talk about spirituality and what it means and how it applies and the difference that it makes. And uh, I am a pastor of the United Methodist Church. Now, my commitment isn't first about the church, although I did make a covenant in serving to them, and I can tell you about covenant another time. But what sold me on this particular tradition is the Wesleyan theology, the theology of John Wesley. That's the root of what a Methodist church is. And most of the Methodist churches are based upon that theology, no matter which branch of Methodism you might hear or be exposed to. Now, I want to tell you why I believe in it, why I follow that particular theology. There are church traditions out there, and there's there's none that are better or worse than another, whether it's an independent or a traditional or uh, any of the mainline denominations. They all serve a purpose. They're all a part. I like to say they're part of the same corporation. They're different divisions. (laughs) They have different focuses. They have different audiences, and people are blessed by those different unique traditions. So I don't think it's right for anybody to undermine another, but to respect and appreciate and understand what each one is. Now, what I feel about the the Wesleyan tradition is that, first of all, it is not about telling somebody else what to do. It's not about someone being in charge or being over you. It's about every person becoming their own best disciple. It's about individuality. It's about freedom and personal responsibility. It's about developing your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ and with God and living your life out of those values. And I think that's a really rich tradition. I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I think it's all American. <laughs> but for me, I think that uh, the, the principles around Wesleyan theology is very, very important for the well-being of society. And the way that gets played out in ministry is that I am not appointed to a local church. I don't know if you knew that. Most people think the pastor is assigned to a church and that's who they serve. No, that's not it. We are appointed to a region. We serve at a particular church, and that church provides the salary, but we are supposed to serve the entire community. We are there for everybody. So it doesn't matter whether you come to our church or not. It doesn't matter what your circumstance or situation is. If you need and if you want to call, you can call me, and I will be there for you, and I will provide whatever service I can to assist you because I'm not serving the church alone. I serve the community and the region. And because I'm an ordained elder, that means that's valid everywhere around the world. And so that, I think, is a wonderful thing, too. It's not about ego. It's not about vanity. It's not about power. It's about service. And that, I think, is really great, too. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we're talking about love tonight. And so I want to talk about God's love. That is a cliche that everybody's heard. We all talk about God is love. And, but we don't really go into much detail about what that is or how that's expressed or how we recognize it or what difference that it makes to us. It's nice to think that God loves us, but how does that play out in real life? Well, that's what I want to talk about. Wesley was nothing if not practical. <laughs> he talked about being spiritual, being true to the scripture, 
But he also talked about being practical and applicable in day-to-day -day lives. He said, we have to be able to bring these two things together. And that is right down the center of where I am. If it isn't practical, if you can't apply it in your life, then what good is it? If you can't make sense of it and help it to make a, different, a positive impact in your living, then I don't know why you'd do it. I don't know why you would stay with that. So <clears throat> in love, we're talking about God caring for us. John Wesley said there were three different dimensions of love. We're only going to talk about one tonight. And the, the term we use in the United Methodist Church is grace. I don't know any denomination that uses that term more than the Methodists. We say grace about everything. Uh, and the forms of grace, it's another word for love. And the first one is about how does God love us? <clears throat> what I'd like to suggest to you, this is the bottom line. This is the summary statement. So you get this, you're done. <laughs> what it is is this. God's love is everywhere. God's love is for everyone. God's love does not depend upon your thought or your word or your decision or your action. God's love comes before all of that and abides with us through all of that. And so it is what John Wesley used, a big word. This is a big church word, and most people don't know what it is or what it means. It means prevenient grace. Nothing of God depends upon human beings in order to love. God loves first. And that love is expressed in a lot of different ways. For example, the fact that we were conceived is a miracle of grace. The fact that our hearts beat is a miracle of grace. The fact that we discover in the course of our living what our talents and abilities are, what our interests and our tastes are, the kinds of people that we like to associate with, the, the uh, kind of experience that teaches us how to cope and how to manage, the people that are given to us in our lives, the way we can use those talents to provide income and to make a home and to establish our living, to find ways to recreate, all of that is a gift of God that helps us to be who we are called and gifted to be. I think that's just awesome. I think that's the greatest thing in the world. Think about love and people that you have loved. I would guess that I'm not the only one who's loved numbers of people in the course of their lives. Some of them have been very dear friends. Some of them have been of the female persuasion. Sorry, sweetheart, she's sitting right here, so I'll pay for that. The, the reason I bring that up is because there was a girl in my high school that I admired incredibly. She was gorgeous and she was smart and, she, and uh, we had a few encounters here and there. Um, and uh, I just never thought that I was in her league. I don't know if you know what that's like. Um, but what was really interesting is many, many years later, I'd established my life. She'd established her life. We hadn't had any contact since high school, none at all. I don't even know if she knew how I felt because I never knew how she felt until I happened to run into her mother who happened to be the secretary at a church where my dad had served, and I had been asked to go back for a, an event. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, I'm Nancy's mother. I said, oh, really? How's she doing? Isn't that nice? That's wonderful. She says, you know she liked you in school? I said, no! <laughs> Sorry, sweetheart. Now, why this is so important is that on Facebook, I don't do anything on Facebook other than post the devotions. The Waystation's devotions go out every morning. 
And if there's anything that's on the screen, I see it. Otherwise, I don't pay any attention to it. It happened this time, This uh, I think it was yesterday morning, as I was doing the devotion, that Nancy's father had passed away. And I felt that. Now, I didn't have any kind of a real relationship with her at all. I just admired her from afar, you know. But I asked, is there any way to contact? Is there any way that I could wish them well in the midst of all of that? Now, that is a level of compassion and love. It's, it's very light, but it is sincere. Do you remember the people that you've loved? You still have a positive feeling for them, don't you? You have an inclination for them, even if you've been out of touch for years. There is a, a thing that touches your heart that connects you. And you don't let go of that. You don't forget that. That continues. And this is the nature of God's love. It is forever. It is planted in the beginning and it abides with us always. Now, I'm not just talking about Wesley here. I'm talking about the scripture. So let me bring it up to you in the psalm. I'm only going to read a couple of verses out of Psalm 139. It wouldn't hurt you to read the whole piece, at least 1 through 12. But I'm only going to read 7 through 12, and hear the words. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, and other people would call that hell or Hades or the netherworld or whatever, plug in whatever you want in that blank. But if I go to the evil, dark, opposite place, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle in the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely let the darkness cover me and the light around me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. That's love. A loving God abides with us and provides for us and always does so no matter where we are, no matter what our circumstance or situation, no matter what happens, no matter how much we doubt or question or fear, no matter how much we might get angry and forget and walk away, God is always there and God's love is always being expressed. It's just that we don't recognize it. Now, some people will say, oh, there's all kinds of coincidences that happen, or I don't need any of that, or that's not real. Well, I think they'd be surprised to know that they do believe, they just don't know they believe. Do you believe in love? Actually, I don't think you do. What you believe in is the expressions of love that you've encountered and experienced during the course of your lives. You've known when people have been kind to you, and you know when people have been dear to you. And those are expressions of love. There's something in their heart that you recognize is towards you, and they express it by a hug or a kiss or a kind gift or a thoughtful word or a phone call or joining together and doing activities together, going out and having fun together. You find that you build a relationship, in the, and there is consideration and compassion, and it's expressed in all kinds of ways. 
Now, you don't think about it in terms of love, and we don't say it that way, but it is a simple example of how God loves us every single day, and we don't pay much attention to it. We take it all for granted. The, the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, the water that we drink, the ability to travel, our ability to study, to learn, to work, all these kinds of things are just natural. That's just part of who we are, right? Well, the thing is, God doesn't demand credit for that. Do you know that in the course of your living, you've had differences with people that are deeply involved in your life, some of whom love you? That may have been at a workplace, or it could have been within your family. I think every family goes through arguments, don't you? As, as people grow up, there's a point of tension in there. Part of that is the individuals developing their individuality. Part of it is trying to figure out for yourselves what's right. That's part of growing up. They have to leave home. We want them to leave home, so we need to, to have those moments of tension. But here's the thing. When you have an argument, does that mean that the good things in the house stop? When you guys are against each other, when you're upset about something, when you turn your back on somebody, does that mean that everything goes dark? It doesn't, does it? The dishes are still washed, the food is still made, the beds are still made, the chores are still done, we still get up the next day, and we, and we might be cranky for a while, but we do come back together again most of the time, don't we? The love is still there, even though a tense time happened, a disagreement occurred. The love isn't saying, I love you, because in the midst of an argument, that's not what you say but it is still expressed in the way that we live our lives and the house continues to go and our work continues to go and we find our way through those traumas. And it's not just in conflict, it happens in grief, it happens in injury and loss, it happens in stress, it happens in mutual fears. But in the midst of those fears which dominate our thoughts, our hearts still beat and our attraction to our friends and to our family is still strong. And that is the nature of the love of God that we're talking about. So when we're talking about Valentine's Day, we've got people that, oh my gosh, I've got to get something red. I've got to get something chocolate. I've got to get some flowers. I've got to get this. I've got to get that. We've got to make that day really special. Do you know that's one of the worst days in the world to go out to the restaurant? You know, that is not the day to go. And what I found out for Mother's Day and for Valentine's Day, the last thing in the world I want to do is go to a restaurant. No, 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 no. What I want to do is go to the restaurant four days before. Because all the food that's, that's arriving, does that need to be plugged in? Uh, there's a red symbol that says end next to it. Okay, put the, uh, the plug-in. It's hanging there to put power to the camera. It's on the right, left-hand side of the camera, in the back. Your left. Boy, this is going to be a fun editing job, isn't it? <laughs> is anybody still out there? <laughs> oh, got to think fast on your feet. He's learning our technology. He's learning our. Okay, am I in camera? Hi, mom. Okay. <laughs> So what I'm trying to say is that God loves us without needing our response. This is what prevenient grace is. God pours out for us. You ever have a moment where all of a sudden you've been struggling for a long time to figure something out and all of a sudden the idea comes? Where does that come from? There's, there's no way to prove where that came from. And you can say, oh, it's all of a sudden I, my mind was clear and boom, it happened. You can make all kinds of excuses. People like to make excuses because they don't want to love. What I suggest is I would rather give credit and enjoy the relationship 
than to deny it and to be alone. I would rather give thanks for the good things in my life and see the intentionality there that gives me hope. It gives me encouragement. You know what it's like when you've had a really hard time and you feel isolated alone and you wonder how things are going to come together and what you're going to do next. And it's then that somebody who cares for you reaches out to you. It's then when you, you feel okay because someone else has put their arm around you or someone else has given you that kind of attention. That love has always been there. You just weren't paying attention to it because you were so distracted by whatever it was that upset you. Well, this is why faith tells us how to live by the constants and the truths that we know, not by the things that rise and fall up and down on our day-to-day lives. Faith is supposed to empower us to be okay in the midst of whatever else is going on. If I can have meaning in my life, and if I can recognize the good things that are happening around me, I have a choice. I can think about how lousy it is or how mad I am or how upset I am or how afraid I am, but that never gets me anywhere. It never takes me to a positive place. It never brings a resolution to my problem. It just makes me miserable, and the result is I make others miserable too. On the other hand, if I'm looking for wherever there is good, wherever there is hope, wherever there is grace, wherever there is help, then I always have gifts of hope that come with it. If good is coming to me in the midst of this, how much happier will I be when this is gone? I want to live that way. I want to live positively. I want to live toward the future. I want to live with an expectation of good because that always brings good and helps you to recognize good. It helps you to enjoy good and realize that your life is good even in the low times, even in the dark times. Even when we make mistakes, even when we don't realize what we're doing or what we're saying, the good news is that people who love you will forgive you because their love is more important than their anger. And this is what we need in our world today. We need to love each other. We need to love it more than just one day. We need to love it more than just one gift. We need the love to be as natural and as common that we almost take it for granted, but we always know it's there. We live like that. We respond as best we can. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it doesn't quite work out. But the person who loves us realizes that the gift we're offering and the kindness we're offering and the ideas we're sharing are out of love. And because of that, they can overlook it. They won't get miffed by it. They'll appreciate it and know that all is well. This is what we want in our lives today. This is what we need in our society today. And that grace, that love, that faith, that hope is available to everybody. I was talking to some people that were uh, in the younger generations than I am, and we were talking about church, and the folks were saying, you know, I don't want to be a part of a church that's not making a difference in people's lives. I want to be involved in some place where it's really being done, where it's really helping the poor or helping the sick or raising up the downtrodden or helping everybody to feel equal, where there's justice and effort and good that's coming. If I see that, I want to be a part of that. I was really impressed a couple years ago. My son was living in Dayton at the time, and the tornadoes happened to hit just a block away from where he was living. And uh, he left his job in the middle of the day and went out to help. And he just drove down the street until he saw somebody who needed help, and he pulled over to the side, and he helped them get their stuff together, and then he got back in his car and went on to another one. He just went house to house to house. It wasn't organized. It wasn't structured. It wasn't some official meeting, and there was no badge or banner or anything like that. 
But this is the heart of a person who wants to love and wants to live it out. And I, that's why I think this is more about a movement and about a way of life than it is about a church or it's a worship time or something like that. Those things are important. They're valuable. Don't get me wrong. But the love needs to be constant and it needs to be expressed in whatever way we can. And as we give that love, you know what it's like to receive it. You know what it's like to be encouraged. You know what it's like to be complimented. You know what it's like to be loved. Well, when you give that love, that's what you're giving to the people with whom you're sharing it. Do they have to know it? No. Do they have to give you credit for it? No. But if their lives are better, and if they're making better choices, if they feel better about themselves, then we've done our job. We've done exactly what God's doing. And we can feel the joy of heaven as we see them getting along better, as we see them having hope, as we see them no longer thinking just about themselves, but find themselves free from the tyranny of such selfish focus that always takes us down to a dark place. But the selfless love always lifts us up into the light of day, even in our darkest night. That's what I wish for you. That's what I pray for you. That's what I pray for the world. That's what my job's all about, and I hope that you can do part of that too. It's not something we get paid for. It's something we live for. Well, I'd like to thank you for being with us this time and hope that you'll join us again next time, next week, when we get together for a little more time on the road together. May it be good for you all the way through.